Leaning In is a podcast about extraordinary people who have built their lives by taking the opportunities God gave them and squeezing every last drop out of them. Now they are using their life to impact others. We will interview these extraordinary people, hear their stories, and dive deeper into how they are leaving their mark on the world. Welcome to Leaning In. All right, welcome to the third podcast episode. I'm here with my friend Thomas Zimmerman. Thomas has done a lot of things in my life. He's been pretty influential, um, I would say. Uh, recently, he's been leading Crossroads College Night, and he's just been a great leader at that and has put together some really great messages. Um, we got to spend a little time together in Nicaragua, and I got to get to know Thomas a little better then, but um, this is just going to be a conversation about me getting to know Thomas on a deeper level. and you all getting a chance to listen to that. So, Thomas, welcome. Hey, thank you so much for having me and yeah. for those super kind words, man. Yeah, no <laughs> I problem. appreciate that. No problem. Uh, so just tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us about where you grew up, a little background. Yeah, cool. Things that might have influenced you. Yeah, I, um, I'm i from a really small town just north of Dayton, Ohio. It's called Tip City. Mm-hmm. There's like 10,000 people there, maybe. And, um, Grew up there, loved everything about that little town. Um, super cute. It's like, I think it was rated one of the Ohio's best places to live, and it's awesome. I just um, had such a good time growing up there, and it was a really tight community that I loved a lot. Um, have a, a two parents, mom, dad, and then I have an older sister named Taylor. She's 25. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm the same Maybe way. Six. Yeah. I'm the same way sometimes. Like my sister's six, seventeen. Yeah, 17. somewhere along there. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm 22 right now, about to turn 23 in a month or so. Um, I came down to Cincinnati after or for um, college at the University of Cincinnati, and I thought that I would hate big cities. I I thought I want nothing to do with yeah. with anything larger than. Anything larger than 20,000 people was, like, outrageous to me. Yeah. <laughs> but um, came to UC mostly just um, with the thought of getting out of my comfort zone. I was looking at another school in a really small town and thought, like, that's the same thing that I've been doing for the last 18 years, and yeah. I should probably see another part of the world. <laughs> um, so came to Cincinnati, just... Did not super dig it at first, but over time it started to grow in me, and I've just like really fell in love with the city. And um, other than that, I just graduated from UC. I went to the uh, College of Business at the University of Cincinnati, and um, was never really a fan of that. It always just really? kind of <laughs> bored me, <laughs> and um, uh, I don't know. There was just this air of like professionalism that I just kind of hated honestly (laughs) and I I just didn't like this whole idea of professionalism and I can expand on that if you want me to later but um, it got to the point where I said like I'm halfway through this and Mm -hmm. I should probably just go ahead and get this degree so I just graduated two months about two months ago and I'm now working at Crossroads Church. Very cool what do you do? Here. I work in uh, I work at National, so it's like the offices at the Oakley campus, okay. um, and I work in global reach out. So, like you said, we went to Nicaragua together. I'm working in the team that makes all those trips happen. Oh wow! Um, it, this position just like came up out of nowhere. I had no idea. Um, I was in between jobs. Um, I worked an internship here at Crossroads Uptown uh, in the spring of 2019. 
And then I was hoping to get a job at Crossroads. It was looking kind of fuzzy, but um, in the middle time, I was hoping, or I was helping my buddy uh, flip a house in Newport. Okay. And then one day, this guy texts me, who's on staff at Crossroads, and he said, "Hey, man, do you want to uh, you want to come talk about a position?" And I'd never heard, I had never spoken to him before. Yeah. I said, "Yeah, let's do it." And um, and then I went in for an interview that day, and they said, "Hey, do you want to like?" help us run mission trips around the world and uh, you'd have to like travel to every country that we send people to once a year to like either check up on trips or check up on partners. Wow. Is that, is that okay with you? And I said, yeah, that'll do. Yeah. <laughs> that'll yeah, that'll, that'll to travel the yeah. world yeah. and see so many different parts of it, especially like in the mission trip communities, mm-hmm. you're seeing all these people that are struggling going through hardships and you get to understand the privileges that you have been yeah. blessed with really. All right, dude, I, I just couldn't believe when they offered me this. And if you would have asked me if I would have taken this job four years ago when I graduated high school, I would have said, absolutely not. I'm never leaving the country. I'll never even get a passport. America is the best place on the planet. Why would I ever leave? <laughs> <laughs> um, like there was, I don't know. God has has done a complete like 180 in my life in, in the last four years, especially in the last two, um, and now like my job is the complete opposite of what I would have assumed that it would have been when I started college, yeah. um, which is super exciting and kind of like the end of. I'm realizing this now as I'm saying it, um, like the end of. Um, that initial decision to say like I should go to Cincinnati because it's something different. Yeah. Um, now like I see how God has, has taken that initial like little leap and right. said, okay, well now you're gonna jump. Like, yeah. <laughs> he gave you like that opportunity to take one step, and then now you you've grown a ton being at college. You know, mm-hmm. going from a city that you said that has like ten thousand people to yeah. a university that has over forty, mm-hmm. and then like growing and community at crossroads and all this other stuff. And he said, all right, you took that step. You got a little courage. Mm-hmm. I'm going to push you a little further. Yeah. Take this leap, like a huge leap, jump in between, like from one cliff to the other. Yep. And it's like a thousand feet down. Yes. But then you'll look back in the future and be like, wow, like that, that wasn't all that big. That was just another step. Yeah. It's crazy how he works. It's super cool, man. So where have you been so far? So far, I've just been in Nicaragua. Okay. Um, I went to Nicaragua in spring break of 2019 mm-hmm. with you and the gang, and um, that was that was a ton of fun. I I, I didn't really know what I was going to get from that going into it. Yeah. Um, and I got like the complete. I say I don't know what I thought I was going to get from it, um, but what I got from it was something completely different than what I might have expected. You know, I, yeah. I thought I might go there and um, have my heart opened up for for poverty and it absolutely did but um you know i thought i would come back and you know go on like a i want to go on a crusade to end poverty or something but honestly that like that turned into this experience of um uh just kind of like rest and peace for me Mm -hmm. um i went into it leading a group and i don't know my group dynamics were just a little weird and I just felt like I was failing like, really? constantly throughout this, the first few days of this trip. Um, and I, I didn't really know what to do about that. I just felt so weird in this place of like, one, I'm trying to get a job with these people. Yeah. 
and I want them to see that my group is the best group. They're crying the most. Yeah. <laughs> They're having like the most talking like, for three hours. Every yes, night. the best yeah. conversations, most tears. Like I was gonna measure everybody's tears to see like <laughs> this is how many I had, but um, like that's just not how it worked out. And I was just beating myself up, thinking like, oh no, the people in charge aren't gonna see me. They're not gonna be like impressed with what I'm doing. I have to you know, work harder to make this group work and. Um, the head pastor here, his name was Josh, he pulled me aside and um, he said, hey, you don't have to keep working. Like, everything is fine. We see you. We know how good you, how, how, like, how much good you can do. Wow. You don't have to keep working for this. We know who you are. And I was like, tear. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so then after that, I was just kind of like, I'm just going to enjoy this. And mm-hmm. I'm in Nicaragua with some of my best friends and... Um, I'm going to work super hard for these people that I'm here to serve, uh, but I'm not going to, you know, try to impress people or, yeah. um, I'm just going to kind of enjoy this little trip and this, this experience that God's given me. So, um, yeah, Nicaragua, long story short, is the only place I've been so far. Well, that's, that's awesome. So for like, oftentimes I find myself like in a group where if I'm leading, and it's tough. I, I easily get discouraged or, you know, I just kind of want to quit or I, I go to the other opposite side of the spectrum and I just put in all the effort that I can, which mm-hmm. it sounds like that was a little bit of what you did in Nicaragua. Yeah. Um, and you're a great leader of the leaders here at College Night. And just I'm asking for myself and I'm sure you'll help others. But what's some practical advice that you can give on like leading a group that's hard to lead? Leading a group that's hard to lead. Um I might need some advice on that one myself, but um, I don't know. Through through my my time at um, at Crossroads, I, I kind of came in and was immediately put into leadership in first in college night. Um, as soon as I came here, I um, I stepped in to college night. Was in a group for a couple of weeks, and they said, "Hey, we need leaders. Um, if you're interested in leading." Um, that doesn't mean too much. All you have to do is stand up and get this packet. We used packets back in the day and, um, for all the questions. And so my whole group like, looked at each other. There was probably seven of us. And I said, well, I have legs. I guess I'll do it. <laughs> so the first time I led a group um, at a church was just based on the fact that I had legs and yeah. was able to walk. Yeah. Um, and that was terrifying for me because I was, um, at this point, just like baby stepping back into seeing what faith could look like in my life. Um, I did not consider myself any sort of experienced Christian, or I, I really, I, I had no idea what I was doing. And um, so this group went well for the first few weeks, and then one week we were all chatting and said, "Hey, we should." We want to read the Bible more. We want to, we want to do that more regularly. And I said, okay, let's do it. And I opened up a Bible to the eighth chapter of Numbers and found just like the craziest weird stuff you can yeah. imagine. Like guys hanging out by a tent and making candlesticks. Um, and there, I don't know, there was some other stuff real weird too. Like old guys would hang out outside the tent. The young guys would go in the tent. And we read it and looked around at each other. And we're like, I thought... So nobody knows what that means, right? Yeah, like... Nobody understands <laughs> this. This was just gibberish to everyone. Right. 
and this kid Luke says, "Oh well, these are the Levites, and they're like they're part of, uh, you know, the the tribe of Israel that's there to like protect the tabernacle and do all the like rituals and stuff." And I left that night and said, "I am never going back. <laughs> I will never go back there, because right now I'm in this position of leadership." but I have no idea what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. These guys are like so far ahead of me in their Christianity. They actually know what the Bible says. I had no idea what was going on in there. Yeah. And uh, I was so confused. And I, I quickly realized, like, no, I'm supposed to be there. I'm going to go back. But I still was struggling with that. Uh, and I had this weird chance to... Um, grabbed the head pastor of the church, Brian Tome. I had a chance to grab a quick conversation with him one day. Uh, he was actually at Uptown preaching, and I went up to him and said, hey, I'm supposed to be leading this group, and I have no idea what I'm doing. Do you have any advice for me? And it's stuck with me ever since, and uh, it was kind of the theme of 2018 for me. He said, vulnerability. He said, be vulnerable with those guys, and as long as you're open and honest about who you are and where you're coming from, they're going to see that and they're going to respect that. And they're not going to care whether you know every, every sentence of the Bible. They're not going to care whether you're the best Christian out there, whether you're the best leader out there. But as long as you're open and honest with them about where you're coming from and, and who you are, they're going to see that and, and they're really going to respect that. Um, so as in you know, group leadership like we do, yeah. um, I've been in, have in plenty of groups where Nobody wants to talk. Nobody yeah. wants to say anything. And you ask a question like, um, what's something you're struggling with right now? And everybody sits up straight and looks at each other and nobody wants to answer yeah. that question. Eyes are just going back and forth like, right. who's going to answer first? Because mm-hmm. it's not going to be me. Right. And everybody's thinking the same thing. Yes. And somebody will like drop a pen and then everybody will think like, oh, the pen, funny. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. They'll try to change the subject. Right. But we're coming back to this and... Uh, so as a leader in those weird instances, uh, I've always just reverted back to, I need to be as vulnerable as possible. So if nobody else is willing or wants to talk or wants, oftentimes they just don't want to be the first one to talk. And yeah. um, I, I am, I, I just am more than happy to, to be the first one to say, I'm messed up. This is what's wrong with me. I have none of my stuff together. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and to just open up a, like a an environment of vulnerability that allows people to to freely and openly communicate and mm-hmm. see like where I I did not see myself as capable of leading these guys couple you know my first group of college night I didn't see myself as being capable of leading that group but when you're just so honest and vulnerable with them they start to look to you as like this is the guy that that will give it to us straight. This is the guy that won't necessarily even have advice to give us. And, you know, you probably don't want my advice, even, yeah. but, um, but he will at least be honest with us about yeah. where he is. And, and, and he'll say, like, okay, yeah, I went through that. I did, you know, I fell in the, I struggled with that exact same thing. Mm-hmm. And this is what I did that didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. don't do this. And right. then, you know, that might just give them some confidence to ask a few other people mm-hmm. and somebody might have a the way that it worked for them or they'll figure out four or five, ten different ways it didn't work. So they're not going to try any of those. Yeah. So it skips that 
But yeah, I mean, I I think like when something I'm hearing is like when the going gets tough in a group, the leader goes first. Yeah. And like mm-hmm. it, I know I've used that personally a couple of times. Like you sit there, you kind of you ask the question, and you wait ten seconds. Twenty seconds went by. It's getting kind of awkward now. 30 seconds is coming up. Mm. All right, well, this is what I've been struggling with. Let's yep. just go. And then you go through that, and all of a sudden, the five or eight guys in your group want to share. Right. They just want to start talking, and, the, and then you have a two, three-hour conversation mm. just about life. Struggle, like, everybody's struggling with something a little different, yeah. whether it's, like, mental health or somebody just can't wake up in the morning at the time they need to or they're yeah. having struggles, like, in their personal relationship. And that... You know, we're we're all helping each other. We're all building a community into each other, mm-hmm. and just learning from each other's experiences, all because of the, you decided to be vulnerable. Right, and it's so cool when you like. I'm thinking of it now as kind of a snowball of, the leader starts saying something, the leader says, "Oh, I've been I've been struggling with anger lately. Like, I don't know why, but, and I mean this is even true for me right now. People." walking in front of my car while looking at their phones has been infuriating me. Yeah. <laughs> I've been getting so mad. And, like, that's not right. That, that That's not a good thing to do is to just be irrationally angry. Um, so when we're sitting around a table or we're sitting around a room together and I start saying, I'm really not happy with with, with how I'm acting right now and, and I, I don't like this anger that's popping into me and I don't want my girlfriend to see it. I don't want my yeah. friends to see it, my family. It's so often me saying just that little thing will snowball into this kid saying, like, yeah, my relationship with my girlfriend isn't, isn't really good right now. Like, just one word that you say will spark something in them and that they've, been, they've just been dying to say to somebody. Yeah. And that'll just pop off. And then something he says, the next guy will say, well, yeah, like you mentioned this thing with... with sex i've been struggling with this and yeah uh, so it's just this little snowball effect that happens and all it takes is 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 one person to say i'm in this leadership position and i'm going to put myself below all these people mm-hmm. i'm not going to try to make it seem like i'm the best one here i, like, I have everything figured out i'm going to be the first one to say this is my stuff and just that that little ball that starts rolling just gets bigger and bigger and bigger until yeah. like you said it's a two-hour conversation and things have gotten super deep so yeah and like you, i mean something you said was that w- that one little thing lets somebody you know bring something up that they've been dying to say mm. well the thing is when everybody's looking around like who's going to go first everybody has a thing inside of them that they're yeah. like oh i i need to talk about like i need to bring mm. this up i I don't want to say it like whether it's like what do you, what's been good lately like people are like I don't really want to brag about this like it's yeah. gonna sound or like oh I don't really I've been struggling with this I wanted like I need help I need advice but mm. I don't want to be the one that like I don't want to look weird I don't look bad yeah. and just being vulnerable like says to them hey you know what <laughs> here I am the mm-hmm. leader and I'm so imperfect right. I've messed up and it, it, it shows them that they're that it's a safe place to share. Yeah. Which is key. Absolutely. Something that that just popped into my head along the same lines is um, I think leaders should be really slow to speak and um, and input themselves into people's situations. Right. Um, 
and by that I, I mean particularly in in offering advice and whatnot. Um, some of the I, I have this mentor. He's a pastor in Loveland, uh, and he is 100% the reason that I am who I am right now. He he popped into my life in this super weird way uh, really early on in my little faith journey and uh, just consistently blows my mind every time I talk to him. Yeah. And one of, the, one of the most awesome things that I ever heard him say to me was uh, that unsolicited advice is criticism. Yeah. And that just blew my mind and thought, like, wow. yeah. made me think, how often is, is somebody just talking in general and I say oh wait 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 this is how you should be doing it yeah and like, when somebody does that to me I get a little I get a little peeved <laughs> yeah I don't like it I've been in I, I had a situation uh, a couple months ago where mm-hmm. you know somebody was having some problems and it kept coming up again and again and I said I said to them I was like this is what you should do like mm-hmm. this is how you should do it and then I heard from a mutual friend like hey this person is pretty upset with you yeah like oh no they, they think that you think it, you know everything. Mm. And I was like, well, I, I definitely don't. Right. Like I, if I did, I, I wouldn't be me. Mm-hmm. But I like I, I just thought I was helping out. Yeah. And it turned out that this person got upset because I, I just shared what mm. I thought would be right, the right way versus just being there and listening. Right. Yeah. That 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 word of listening is. It's something that at Crossroad is is super valuable. We even have a training called Listening Training that's all about just making people feel heard um, and understanding more and more and more about what they're what they're going through, and then just asking really intentional questions of, um, and sometimes you can. This sounds kind of bad, but you can you can know, okay, they're doing they're struggling with this. This is how. This is how they should get through this. And you can kind of ask them questions to help them find that on their own. Yeah. And they're going to appreciate that so much more because then they're feeling empowered of like, this was my idea and I can do this on my own. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I've had sit downs with people where um, like we, we came to discuss a work thing and then they just want to like start kind of this sounds terrible but they they want to start like poking into my life and seeing what's going on and then like offering me advice in like a discipleship way and i'm thinking i did not ask you for this yeah this is totally unsolicited i don't really want your advice and now like i'm coming into this thinking this guy thinks he's better than me and i don't like i'm not even interested in this conversation anymore and um so it can be it can be there are definitely exceptions to that rule but um I was just meeting with a buddy of mine the other day, and he was telling me about um, struggles he was having with with lust and pornography, and he's engaged, and he doesn't really know like how to overcome these things before he's married, and um, and I just wanted to sit there and listen to everything he had to say, and I was waiting. I felt like um, like I was like on a sprinter's block, just like waiting for yeah. him to say stuff, but. Um, it was never the opportunity to, and, and at, at one point I said, "Hey man, do you mind if do you mind if I say something about that?" And he said, "Oh yes, please, yeah, give it to me." Um, but before then, I didn't. I really had to to hold myself back, and remember, he might not want advice. He might just want to be heard right now, and he just he might want to just 
feel like somebody understands where he is, who he is, and yeah. what's going on with him right now. And but it, it was hard to resist that. Like, yeah, I know what's I know what he's going through. I want to talk to him about it. Let's do this. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. It, it's it's hard to resist because we live in an age of instant advice, mm. instant instruction. Like, you know. You can Google anything and learn how to do it within 10 minutes. Right. It, you know, setting up this podcast, I mean, mm. I was like, hmm, what? I want to do a podcast. How does that work? What do mm. I need? What do I do? And 15 minutes later, I knew exactly everything I need. I had a cart on Amazon full of this right. stuff. I was like, okay, all right, let's see if I want, still want to do this in a week. Mm. But since we live in such a device or a, an age of instant answers, yeah. People just aren't heard by anybody. Mm. So being able to just listen to somebody and really hear them and understand where they're at is super, like, that's how you really build a relationship. Yeah. Like, I don't want the Google robot sitting in front of me just being like, you know, I'm talking about, when I'm oh, do this. You know, here's mm. steps one, two, three, and four. This is what you should do. And I think sometimes a lot of, for me, I get caught up in that where I'm like, oh, that's an easy fix. Just do this, this, and that. Yeah. And they're like, well, okay mm-hmm. and they go off and they're like they try it and it doesn't work and they're like mac doesn't know anything yeah versus just sitting there and listen listening to them and like you said ask them questions that mm-hmm. help you see what they're thinking right and then let them kind of ha- figure out these ideas on their own even if it is the exact same advice you would have given them mm-hmm. if they can like you said they'll feel empowered yeah. and when they accomplish it it builds that confidence mm. and like we said earlier that God ask you to take a step to Cincinnati yeah, and that could be their step. Mm-hmm. And so just by listening, you have given them a platform to stand on they yeah. take their first step, they build that confidence and then they can take that huge leap. I'm getting chills. Yeah, me too. It's kind of <laughs> crazy. <laughs> I didn't know I was this insightful. <laughs> Don't come to me for advice though. I'll just listen to you. Perfect. <laughs> That's great. That's a good thing. So let's talk about um, Nicaragua a little more. Yeah. What'd you get out of that? I got like being down there. What did, what did you like? What lessons did you learn there? Lessons. Yeah. More than anything, I came out of that trip like actually realizing that I did not have to work for love and I didn't have to work. You know, I could say I I did, I didn't have to work to earn a job, but you know, I do have to work to earn a job. You have to show that you're capable of doing it. There's hard work that you have to put into anything. Yeah. But um, what I had said that I knew before this was that I know that love, in particular God's love, is unconditional. I don't have mm-hmm. to do anything to earn it. That was a big misconception of mine when I was first stepping into faith. I used to tell people that I needed to pay my taxes back to God because he's yeah. giving me so much cool stuff. Um, but <laughs> that's just like super wrong and super yeah. warped. But that was, my, that was my real thought process. And even to this day, I have a hard time separating that idea of like work-based love um but my main takeaway from nicaragua was um it's good to work for a job yes but it is super warped if i'm trying to work for love and i'm trying to particularly earn like god's approval through having the most people get baptized in my group or having the most people cry (laughs) and having the best prayer session um you know, I, I would love to say I came back from it with uh, uh, this appreciation for the, for Nicaraguan culture and 
it was awesome. I loved my time uh, with the Nicaraguans, uh, with the family that I worked with. It was so cool, and we got so close over those few days. But I don't know, it almost sounds a little selfish, but I'm okay with it, saying that my main takeaway was I do not have to work for affection. I don't have to work for approval, and I don't have to work particularly for God's approval and God's love. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was my main thing. That's awesome. Yeah. What do you think that, that feeling that you do have to work for love or approval comes from? Mm. Uh, I think a lot of people feel that. Totally, so yeah. Um, we can dive into like your personal, like yeah, where absolutely. it comes from personally, or I just mean, like an overall. Right. Um, this is something I've talked to with my, with my mentor, Matt, a lot. Um, and we kind of traced it back to this moment that is kind of stuck in my head for the longest time and uh, there's a book called Wild at Heart by John Eldridge and it's written for men in particular uh, it's also titled Father by God as well really? I, I believe cool the one I, I read Father by God mm-hmm. and it's he talked about it in it if, if it's if I'm not mistaken it's yeah. been about a year since I read that but cool. Father by God or Wild, Wild at Heart, heart. Yep. so if you're looking for this book awesome books um I know John in particular, he, he dives into those, uh, those woundings that we can get really early on, um, and particularly in relation to our fathers. So yeah. I have a great dad. He's, he's an incredible man. Um, he has worked so hard for, for decades for our family. Um, but there's just this one moment that I can remember. Uh, I was in third grade. I was in the back of the car. We were driving somewhere, and... Uh, my parents told me that I needed to put more effort into my chores or my schoolwork or something, and uh, they said that I was being lazy. And so this lazy word was going back and forth, and and then my dad said, he's a manager at his company, and he said, uh, I deal with lazy people all the time, and let me tell you, I hate lazy people. Mm. And I said, well, you guys just said I was lazy. Does that mean that you hate me? Yeah. And he said, no, 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 no. Of course I don't hate you. I love you. I'm your dad, but you're being lazy. And I thought, well, you just said you hate lazy people. And you also said that I'm lazy. So two plus two equals four. You must hate me. And of course I knew that wasn't true. Right. I knew, I know my dad loves me and I love him. But um, I think that, that moment was so pivotal in my little tiny brain. Uh, yeah. That I, I feel the the repercussions of that moment to this day of um, of like being a super yes man and like anything yeah. that anybody asks me to do yes I'll do that yes I'll do that and I'm starting to evaluate that now and think am I trying to you know work super hard so they won't think I'm lazy so they'll like me yeah so they'll love me um, and when I first when I first dove in at Crossroads I, I said God I'm gonna do everything that you put in front of me I'm going to say yes to everything you put in front of me uh, for the next year and see what happens and I, I think even Nicaragua was a big point of I can start saying no because I was I was obedient and like I wanted to say yes to God in 2018 but he also wants me to rest he wants me to have some time yeah. and Nicaragua was him saying hey you're good I love you and you know this mm-hmm. and you can breathe and you can take a second yeah. and you can rest and I want you to rest. Uh, 
so I honestly don't even remember the question. But, uh, working for love. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of us, when we, when we look at um, some sort of, of insecurity or some sort of shame that we're carrying, uh, it's really easy to trace it back to, or maybe not really easy, but a lot of us are able to trace it back to maybe this moment where this feeling was first switched on in my head. Yeah. I can't think of any time that I thought about working hard equals being loved before that moment in, that, in the car that day in no. third grade. But after that, I can consistently look back to that one moment as the time that that turned, like flipped this nasty switch in my brain of if you're not working hard, if you're not doing good, then you are not worthy of somebody's love. Yeah. Um, and man, it's so frustrating because even when you're aware of that, even when you know that's a thing, you're still working for it. You're still working yeah, for I it. Yeah, I find myself, I mean, I had kind of a similar situation. Yeah. Um, my dad has always been a hard worker mm. his whole life. I've heard stories from when he's younger to this day, he works his butt off. Mm. And I've always, there was, there was no real pressure on me to work as hard as him, but I've always been like, if I can outwork my dad, like, I deserve his love. Yeah. Like I've, I should be loved if I can work as hard, if not harder. Mm. And it just comes down, you know, every, and for you as a Nicaragua kind of, you know, God saying, Hey, you don't have to work as hard to be loved for me. If I'm working too hard, I'll keep going at it. And all of a sudden I'll start getting a cold and I'll get sicker. And, yeah. and then I'm like, Oh man, here I am in bed, burnt myself out. Mm-hmm. Think about like, if I had that balance, I could still be, getting a lot done, yeah. but I wouldn't have been burning the candle at both ends, as mm-hmm. my mom says, yeah. and, uh, and being sick now, completely out of the game. Right. So now God obviously wants us to work, mm-hmm. but we don't have to work for love. Yeah. So what, in your eyes, what is the importance or what's the benefit of working hard? The benefit of working hard. This is just so that people cannot use, oh, I'm loved. I don't need to work hard totally. as an excuse because yeah. I don't think that's what God wants at all from us. Mm-hmm. I think right. he does want us to work hard, but why should we? Yeah. I heard, I heard somebody speak on this once and um, I don't want to, I don't want to try to butcher what they said, but um, there's a difference between recognizing that you're a member of a family um, and having that as part of your identity and then also being a contributing member of that family. <laughs> so, yeah. um, like I, I know I am a loved and adored son of the king. I know that I, am, um, that I eat at his table, that he loves me, and I'm welcome there. Um, but I, I can't live off of that. I can't yeah. you know, make a living. I, I, I yeah. can't pay rent off of that. Um, so as far as hard work goes, I, I think that I know that God calls us in the hard work. I know that we're um, that. Um, let me take a second and think yeah. on this one. Just you can edit this part out. Sure. So it seems like I'm super smart. <laughs> um, no, um, I think we we all get to decide how how hard we want to work as long as we're, you know, alive and functioning and not. Um, you know, without or causing others to be without. Uh, I don't think there's necessarily any pressure to, to do more. For instance, at Crossroads, there, there are people that work in 
um, and administrative roles where they're assistants to people and they don't make a ton of money, but they love what they do and it gives them the opportunity to, uh, to be with their family and to, um, and to uh, you know, take off when they need to because their yeah. kid's sick. So they have so much flexibility because they're doing what they feel called to and they're doing what they, all they really feel like they need to do. Yeah. Others of us will have this really high drive for hard work mm-hmm. uh, and that's amazing. There are people that are wired that way and it's, they're not necessarily doing anything more for, for the world, for the kingdom than, um, than this receptionist is, but, yeah. uh, but God has, has put a different mission on their mind and, and they need to go after that just as hard as this lady needs, or this guy or girl needs to go after their family. So I think we just need to figure out what, what are our priorities are. Yeah, what's that mission that God has put into our lives? Right. If, if your mission is your family, then, then get yourself a job that, that pays the bills and put everything that you have left yeah. into your family and work hard for your family. If your mission is to change the world with a new smartphone, then put everything you have into that yeah. um, and, and, and do, what, do what you love, do what God put in your heart to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and and work hard for that because that's that's what we were made for. Yeah, so. and I think like me getting sick or revelations of like not mm-hmm. being out like not be, having to work for love. Those are those are ways of God saying, "Hey, you know what? Like you're working hard, and that's great, and I love it. But you're not tending to yourself. You're not tending to other things that I need you to take care of. Like the person, like you said, that has the mission to." revolutionize the world with a new smartphone. Mm-hmm. Well, if they're not at home contributing to their own personal family yeah. and raising their kids, they might get sick like I do or mm-hmm. have this revelation or have a setback or yeah. just be hitting a wall wall after wall being like, man, like why can't I just keep moving forward on this? Like mm-hmm. when you're hitting walls, look around and say like, what does God want me to know right now? What am I right. what do I need to learn from this? What can I change? Because chances are you're hitting those walls for a reason. Mm-hmm. And he wants you to contribute somewhere else. Yeah. Or he might want you to go a different direction because that's not your mission. Mm. So that's kind of just my take on that. Yeah, and remembering rest amongst that. Um, my mentor put it once that, that taking a Sabbath is, uh, is one of the Ten Commandments and it's the only one of the ten that we see as optional. Um, yeah, so like, you you can revoli- revolutionize the world like Steve Jobs, but you can also have a terrible family life and hate everything and and work yourself into an early grave, um, because you were you were so devoted to working like crazy. Um, God wants you to take that rest, and and for me that's been really hard to, uh, you know, combine with that whole daddy issues uh, <laughs> thing uh, to combine uh, work-based love you know ideology and um, you know with the thought that I should rest I or I, I wanted to work so hard to earn um, to earn my place at crossroads to earn my community to earn you know affection from God that that in the midst of trying to do well for him, I was actually sinning and not resting. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, so, man, we can we can work so hard for what we what we're called for, what we're called to, but if we're not taking real actual time for rest, and you know, if you get into like 
Hebrew culture that you were only allowed to take like 999 steps on the Sabbath day. And if you took a thousandth step, you were sinning. (laughs) They went hard. um, You really could not do anything in these days except for devote the the full day to God. Um, So hard work is amazing. And it's the only way that anything gets done. I have to constantly remind myself, though, that I need to rest. I can't say yes to everything that I want to. Mm-hmm. And I really have to push myself to say no to things yeah. because I have to have rest. I have to have time with God. Even if that's really inconvenient for me, I don't, it's no mystery that entry level ministry positions don't have the hottest pay. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, uh, I was, I was looking at starting uh, a master's degree in ministry and, um, and starting to pay off student loans and taking on, um, you know, paying rent and utilities and insurance. Yeah. And I looked at my spreadsheet that I had for my budget and I was like negative $200 every month. <laughs> and I thought, this is not sustainable. Yeah. I was talking to my dad about it and he said, uh, maybe you should, you know, consider picking up, uh, a side job it's you know just work one day on the weekends and and I had to stop and say that makes a lot of sense I could make $200 a month worth working a side job mm-hmm. but no I, I have to have time for rest yeah. I have to have a Sabbath and he said well um, you know you could you could have that on Sunday if you just work on Saturdays and I said no 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 <laughs> if I if I'm working, you know, eight hours on Saturday, then I'm not not able to get anything done that I wanted to get done throughout the week. Yeah. So then, Sunday, my what the day that is designated as my Sabbath becomes the day that I uh, do the dishes, do my laundry, do this, do that, do this, do that. Yeah, all the personal projects. Right, and that's that's not rest, and that's not, you know, that's not what we were called to do. So yeah, uh, it can be inconvenient to take rest, and it can it can set you back. In ways, but I think that that rest sets us on on the pace that God wants mm-hmm. us to be on. Um, Wait, well, I gotta remember that. And one. That was good. Yeah, that was. I mean, <laughs> luckily it'll be recorded forever. Perfect. So, um, but like you said, like you could pick up an extra job, and I think like oftentimes in our schedules when we want to try to fit something in, we're like, okay, what can I add? Hmm. Not like, all right, well, you know, I can't. I'm I had a deficit of two hundred dollars every month. What can I? take away like instead of just being like what's gonna stress me out less mm. what else can i add to this like i, I can do more i can mm. do, yeah that's a yes that's a yes coming out where instead you can just say no i'm just maybe i'll cut back on eating out or i'll figure out i'll call around and see how i can lower my insurance on mm. for, through a different policy just asking like how can i subtract yeah might be a good question if you're feeling overwhelmed especially in college like Oftentimes, you can get caught up in, you know, obviously class, and then some people try to work part-time jobs. What clubs can I be involved Mm in? You know, how much community can I get here at church? Or, you know, my friends want to go out Friday, Saturday night, as well as Thursday night, Mm because Thursday is the new Friday. Of course. Um, And so right there alone, like, if you have a class on Friday, you're out Thursday night, well, I only got four hours of sleep, and might be walking to class a little hungover if, right. if it was that yeah. kind of evening. Um, but instead of trying to fit it all in, just 
cut some things out mm-hmm. so that you're and Thomas said for him, you know, it's a two hundred dollar deficit. Yeah. And I think a lot of us are living in like a two hundred dollar energy deficit mm. every week. Right. And for me it's it's important to say no to things. Yeah. Um like last year or last semester I would always plan like, all right, like what can I do after church on Sunday? What can I do after college night on Thursday? Yeah. It's like why don't you just enjoy the time at college night or at church with the people there and then just go home, rest, and then you'll come back maybe a little earlier so you're not out late mm. doing all these crazy, like not crazy things, but just staying out late yeah. and uh, not getting any rest. Mm. And that's super important just to say, no, I need the rest. Prioritize your physical and mental health and spiritual health because if you're not, if you're not healthy physically or mentally or relationally, you're that's going to lead into your spiritual life. It's, mm. it's one of those things that they're all intertwined with each other, yeah. whether you want to believe it or not. It's they affect each other. You can go down. Yeah. One of them gets off. Yeah. One gets off and then it takes another down with it. And yeah. the spiral just gets quicker downward. Right. It goes awesome. Dude, this is really cool. What else do you have? What else do I have? Um, what do you want to elaborate on? Yeah. This, uh, kind of, I was so confused in college of what the heck I wanted to do. I came mm-hmm. in, um, I came in as a marketing major, I think. Yes. Uh, and I remember telling my high school teachers, uh, I'm going to be a marketer. And I had no idea what that meant. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, my dad just said that it paid well. And I said, all right, sounds good. And I so quickly realized that this is not interesting to me at all. I was really into super into guns at the time and all I wanted to do was was work in that industry somehow um that was so exciting to me and so there were times where I was thinking about maybe I'll do a uh, like a CNC machining certificate at Cincinnati State yeah. uh, community college so I can start to dip into that a little bit or there were times where I thought uh, I want to be a firearms instructor so I might just drop out of school and become a police officer. Uh, and uh, there were times where I was really interested in politics and I thought, uh, I'm going to get a business degree and or a, like an economics degree and then I'll go into politics and I'll become a president. And, um, and I was just all over the place. And it was so frustrating for so long. Um, I worked an internship that was just like, the biggest downer period of my life. Um, I remember telling my mom in this internship um, that the way I saw the rest of my life going was that I would finish this internship that I hate, I would finish this degree that I hate, I would get a job that I hate, and then eventually I would die. And she was like, well, that's pretty dark. I said, yeah, it is. Yeah, um, it's the truth, though. Right. I, I was just terrified but at that point this was right at the beginning of my junior year I just thought if that's the life that is ahead of me that I know is going to be miserable why the heck would I even want to live that and I started you know asking myself those nasty questions that nobody wants to ask themselves and um, and had this guy reach out that just gave me this little kick in the pants your life doesn't have to be like this. You can do something about this. I thought, okay, yeah. Um, 
and started hanging out around crossroads and felt this little call from God to, to start saying yes to him and had no idea what that meant. And through that, still thought I was going to work in business, but mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I really don't know where I was going with that. But I guess at the end of the day, like I was in such this low, low place of I just surrender to miserable. Uh, yeah. And man, you're just was, willing to accept it. Yeah, that was so, so dark. I, I was talking to my dad one day and he said, I told him, I cannot imagine working a job where all I do is stare at a computer all day, every day for years on end. Yeah. And he, I love him. He said to me, what else do you think you would do? What else is there to do? I thought, this sucks. <laughs> yeah. Is that really my only option to just stare at a computer all day or, you know, not ever make any money and now work in ministry and I'll never make any money, but, um, <laughs> but you'll be happy, but I'll be happy. And that's man. what matters. I, I just adore my job and I am just so grateful for, for this massive, massive 180 that's occurred in my life from, um, the rest of my life is going to be miserable. Yeah. I don't think I want to do that. Um, and by do that, I mean live that life. Yeah. Um, to uh, just like resetting the switch and saying, no, I, I'm in this college of business, but I don't have to measure my success by whether or not I get out and work, to Procter, work at Procter & Gamble making $90,000 a year straight out of school. Right. That has nothing to do with whether or not I'm successful right now, I just want to enjoy my life. I want to, yep. I want to do something that I, that I love and I don't get paid much at all. Yeah. And sometimes I'm not super cool with that. But, most of the time, but I love it, man. I yeah. just, I am just so grateful. Um, do you think you work harder in ministry than you did at your internship that you hated? Yeah, man, <laughs> it sucked. I, I went to work, and I had just had zero motivation to do anything. I was yeah. just on the phone with angry truck drivers all the time. Um, and I just had no motivation to like contribute, to really be helpful at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, this is something I can get behind. This is something that, uh, that I feel called to and that I, could, I know I can dedicate the rest of my life to. Yeah. Uh, as long as I'm giving myself time for rest and not letting right. myself get burnt out. But I mean, it's it's easy to say that about ministry in particular. But um, but literally anything that anybody wants to do, whether it's whether it's building guns, like I thought I wanted to do, yeah. or or some people their thing is marketing. They love it more than anything. Yeah, you. Yeah. Um, yep. And like, that is what that's what will give you life, and that's what you will love to do, and that's amazing the only problem is when people and I, I see it really often especially just coming out of the college of business people just say yeah I guess I'll make money and I, I don't really like what I'm doing but yeah. it's okay and I, I just I would just love to see a generation that's no longer consumed by this this thought process of success equals money and instead, success means that I am just doing what I love 
and you won't be there immediately. My job now is cool, but it's not 100% what I love. Um, you know, I, I have other goals. I have other things that I want to mm-hmm. be doing, but um, I just would love to see a, a generation defined by defined by um, maybe happiness or feel like they happiness sounds too they're filling too foo foo they're fulfilling their mission <laughs> fulfillment yes yeah yeah. Um, yeah I mean from what I'm hearing you say is like rest is super important mm-hmm. and when you're working if you feel fulfilled and you love what you're doing you're gonna work way harder than if you were in a miserable miserable uh, spot and mm-hmm. you're gonna be way happier and to get to that spot you have to be willing to ask yourself those tough questions on like and saying stuff like well I'm gonna graduate school I'm gonna work at this place I hate and then die like mm-hmm. and say that and be like all right now how, how can I change that yeah. or even the question that your dad asked you that's like you know if it, if it, you don't look at it as rhetorical mm-hmm. you look at it as a real question and you can process through that of well what else is there to do mm-hmm. it gives you options right. and you find those options that you love and for you you found ministry yeah. and you feel f- fulfilled here mm-hmm. and some somebody else might go to Procter Gamble and make $90,000 and feel completely fulfilled, not yeah. because of the money, but because of the, what they're doing in marketing. Right. And you have to ask those tough questions, those questions that you don't want to ask. You have to, coming back to the, our leadership about being vulnerable, mm. you have to be vulnerable with yourself. Yeah. And you have to be like, you have to really sit there and be like, all right, I'm in school for accounting. I might make six figures when I get out, but a third of my life is going to be spent in an office. Mm-hmm. Do I really want to do that? Yeah. Or... I'm going to be just busting numbers all the time, mm-hmm. breaking them down. Do I, is that what I want to do for 50, 60 years? And I find that a lot of people that are in accounting, I'm like, hey, what's your major? Uh, I'm in accounting. Mm-hmm. Nobody's ever like, woohoo, I'm in accounting. Yeah, like, yeah, I'm right. looking for, like, like very, very small minority is. Uh-huh. And if you just, if you can find that purposeful thing, mm. you're going to work harder at it and you're mm-hmm. going to, you're going to be able to find that you'll go in all in on it. Mm-hmm. And then you'll be like, all right, I can take a step away, find some rest, go back in all in on it again and yeah. like back and forth. And you don't ever get burnt out there. Mm-hmm. It takes longer to get burnt out because you're not there in misery the whole time. Right. It, this just brought up a memory for me. I was in a marketing sales class the semester after that internship. Um, and this lady came in, her name was Jackie, and she gave this talk to us that if you've been in business classes, you're, you're pretty used to people coming in and giving a, yeah. a talk about their company, how wonderful it is, and they give you a koozie, and then they leave. Um, and maybe they'll leave their business card and say, we do internships, and then they'll leave. Yeah. Um, but this lady came in and just blew my mind. She spoke about about her company for like two seconds and then she talked about how when she was figuring out what she wanted to do she had to balance all of her core values figure out what her what are are the most valuable things in her life and then decide what she wanted to do based on those rather than my dad said this is the degree that makes the most money sounds good yeah so she had to sit there and write down what are your top values and she gave us like a list of things if you couldn't think of anything um and she said, uh, mine, my number one value is my faith. And then my family and then something else, I forget. 
but man, when she came in and told me that I could define for myself what I wanted to do based off of myself and what I thought was valuable, what was mm-hmm. valuable to me, that was a totally countercultural yeah. idea. Like, I was able to sit down and say, I love family. I love my family. I want a family. Yeah. I don't want to do something that, that is like nose to the grindstone in an office 60 hours a week. That sounds terrible. I really love Jesus and I want to tell people about him. I need to have a job that allows me either to do that directly or gives me space to do that. Yeah. Allows me to have, you know, weekends or evenings off so yeah. I don't have to, or so that I'm able to do something that I love. And um, at this point, I, I, I forget, I'd have to dig through my phone notes to see what the other ones were. But man, that, that talk, and I, I've connected with her in some weird ways since then, but I've told her pretty candidly that that talk probably saved my life. Uh, you don't have to hate your life. Yeah. You can love your life and you can love what you do by first defining your values and then designing your life around those things. So cool. Great. I love her. And I like what you brought up about how, you know, you don't, if you're like all about, like you, your top is your faith and then your family. Like mm-hmm. you don't have to find a job where you're working with your family and doing ministry. Yeah. Like if you really enjoy crunching numbers and you want to be an accountant, well, find a job that where you can freely like discuss your faith or you don't feel like you, like you're locked in a prison cell. Like Mm -hmm. don't talk about this here. Right. And find a job that gives you the opportunity to have free time. Like you said on the weekends or in the evenings where you can attend events. Don't, don't get into those jobs that are just like, like you said, 60 hours a week Mm -hmm. and they, make you you know step across your own boundaries of what you weren't willing to do before just because it makes an extra 30 grand a year Mm -hmm. man i uh i'm reminded of the summer of 2018 i uh, i was working at a gun shop at the time i was working both retail and i was an instructor there and and i loved both jobs they were so Mm -hmm. fun I loved the people that I worked with. I loved teaching. It was just the best, the best couple of things that I could be doing. It was amazing. Uh, but I had to pay for tuition for fall. Uh, I talked to my parents, and we had we had talked about splitting it. Um, me four thousand, them two thousand. The total was six thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. Say that. Um, so I, I did the math a little bit, and I found that I needed to. Uh, work about 60 to 70 hours a week every week for the rest of the summer and not spend a single penny of that uh, in order to like I didn't even have room for money for gas so I didn't even know I was going to get to work 20 minutes away Uh, and I was just terrified Um, and I didn't really know what to do so I was just kind of stuck in this loop of I got to keep working I got to be there and and I have to be there all the time making Mm -hmm. money somehow and man, it was just miserable. And I was just like sitting in this in this misery of like 12, 12 to 13 hour days almost every day, just getting so burnt out. Didn't yeah. have any time for a social life at all and, uh, or anything. Uh, there was a week where I only ate uh, cheese puffs and um, uh, frosted animal crackers oh for a week. It was terrible. It was just like on my way out, I would grab a big handful of both and eat them in the car. Yeah. <laughs> um, like a 
seven days straight, and that was broken by a lady brought snickerdoodles in, and I had a cookie. Oh, wow. It was terrible, but um, yeah, to get to the actual story, uh, I was on my phone on, the, on my phone with my mom one day while I was at work sweeping the floors before the shop opened, and uh, she asked how I was doing, and I said, Mom, I'm just, uh, I am just absolutely like swamped right now. I just, I don't have space for anything. I don't mm. have time for anything. I just constantly have to be working, and she said, oh, like, I'm so sorry, Dad, and I didn't realize how much of a burden this was on you. Immediately, effective immediately, you only have to give 2000 and we'll give 4000 Wow. I said, wow, that's amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah. That's awesome. I was able to go to HR that day and cut my hours back, um, and I had, like, $1,200 saved at the time. I only needed another 800 That's awesome. Uh, leaving that day, I still did, like, a 13-hour day that day, but... I was talking to the president of this training company I worked with, and he said, how, how are things, man? What's going on? And I said, man, I, I'm just absolutely just getting rammed right now. <laughs> I, I'm just trying to make money. I, and I, I had some good news today, but, uh, but things are, have been pretty tough lately. And he said, what's going on? And are you having money issues? And I said, you know, kind of. I, I'm trying to pay for tuition. Um, I did have to give this much. My parents were going to give this much, and um, and now that just changed. So things are a little bit better. And he is like this big six six two seventy, just jacked former <laughs> marine. His biceps are the size of like both of my thighs put together. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And he looks at me and he says, "Sometimes you talk in riddles. Tell me exactly what you need." <laughs> and I said, "Okay." Um, I needed $4,000. Now I only need $2,000, and I need just another $800 to get there. And he said, okay, come with me. And he walked me to his office, and he sat down, and he wrote a check for $1,000 and handed it to me. And wow. it, it was such a crazy day. And, you know, I'm starting to tear up, but trying to choke yeah, it back because yeah. he's such a manly man. I don't want to cry in front of him. <laughs> but, um, um, man, I got in the car and, and just saw that, saw how God was moving in this situation and I and I felt just like so loved and so mm-hmm. cared for in that moment um, where I was just busting it for yeah. like two months and it sucked but um, but God decided to use that like th- this out of discipline this obedience that like I have to get this done yeah. um I don't know if, I, if I'm comfortable saying that God was testing me in that, but man, did, did he provide in that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was so amazing. Uh, so there's so much value to like, um, to start, or, you know, there's so much value in saying start in something that is ideal. Start in something that is your like ideal situation. But for 90% of people, that it's not able to happen. Right. It's, it's just, just not going to work that way. It's not possible. Um, and sometimes you have to put in those those crazy weeks, those you know sixty hours, yeah. um, and you have to hump it for a while. Mm-hmm. And just know that through all of that, God is God is doing something in you, and you're not failing if you're doing something that you don't love. Um, sometimes these conversations can seem like that. Yeah. Of like, do what you love. It's yeah. going to be great. I've been <laughs> trying to be cautious about. Yeah. Not just saying that over and over but right. I mean it, it's great to do what you love but like you said there's going to be times where you 
You have to put your nose to the grindstone and just do something that you don't enjoy. Mm -hmm. And I just like knowing that through all of that, um, God is doing something in that period and Mm -hmm. he has something for you um, is huge. Like I know that had I not done that that internship that I hated and not been like nearly suicidal at the the end of it, there was no way that I would have that I would have been at a place where I was humbled enough, humbled, not humble. God humbled me in yeah. that and said, "You're not all that you think you are." Mm-hmm. And there's no way I would have I would have been in, in a low enough place to give it up and say, "God, I don't really know who you are. I don't know what you want from me." But what I'm doing on my own <laughs> isn't working, yeah. so I'm just gonna give this to you and. Um, and see what see what you want to do with it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, having those having those periods are hard and they suck. But um, but they've just made either they they pulled me out of the lowest low and gave me the opportunity mm-hmm. to do what I want to do, or they were like a, a testing ground for God to say things are rough, but just wait for the day that I get involved because yeah. that day is going to be it's crazy. Be, yeah. <laughs> like, everything that you have been stressing about everything that you're worried about literally in one day God took care of all of it completely out of my control Um, and it was just amazing so um, you're not failing if you're not doing exactly what you want God's pruning you he's getting you ready for something getting you ready for that big leap something I thought was kind of cool is um, Warren both your mom and your boss just asked how you doing? Mm-hmm. They, I mean, they probably both noticed that you were working pretty hard, but that comes back to that whole listening thing. Just yeah. mm-hmm. they wanted to listen to how you actually were, and your boss was like, "You speak in riddles. Tell me what you really want." Yeah. Well, you most people wouldn't be brave enough to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. That comes back to just being vulnerable again and and saying, "You know what? This is what I really need." I'm having financial issues. Nobody wants to talk about their financial right. status with their boss. And, but you were willing to be vulnerable, and God showed up in that. He gave you exactly what you needed and more. Yeah. He supplied you with that. And maybe just listening to somebody isn't – you don't have money to provide. But mm-hmm. I, I don't think when your boss asked you how you were, he thought, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this kid some money. Mm-hmm. He thought – just how are you? Yeah. And it, it turned out he had what you needed. Mm-hmm. And I think asking somebody, Hey, how are you? What, what is really going on in your life that God might work and you might have exactly what they need. It, it, it's not always going to come in monetary form, yeah. but it could, it could just be a ear that ear that listens. Well, mm-hmm. that could be all that they need. For or, sure. oh, you know what? I, I'm just really struggling in anatomy. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, my girlfriend took anatomy last semester. Let me get you in touch and she'll help you. Yeah. Like whatever they need, chances are you'll be able to provide it because God wants you to listen. You have connections. Mm-hmm. It's just all going to work out super well. So yeah, be man. humbled, be vulnerable, and just be a good listener. Absolutely. Cool. That's the core, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, going to wrap it up? Yeah, man. It's all good. This was super cool, Mac. Thank yeah. you so much. Thanks for being on. I always... I found with Kyle and now with you, like I've, I learned more than I was yeah. even expecting mm-hmm. and getting to listen to your stories more and just getting to know you better. 
and getting to know Kyle the same way. That was it's been awesome, and I, I definitely will keep up on doing this because I am loving it. Well, let's so. get off the air, and you tell me all of your stories now. Sounds good. <laughs> um, is there any way that like anything that you want to like put out there, like hey, check out this or follow me here? I mean. Um, I heard you ask Kyle. That. Yeah, and same I thought, question. What Kyle. would I say? Yeah. Um, no, man. The only thing I could say is if you're around the University of Cincinnati, yep. 7 p.m. Thursday nights, college night, a crossroads uptown, walk up the stairs, it is a good time. It is. <laughs> every other Thursday we're doing cookouts. That's right. Or some kind of social. I got to get out there and man the grill. Yeah, yeah. same here. Um <laughs> But yeah, if if you have any questions about that, you can reach out to me on Instagram, and yeah. DM me or DM Thomas at uh, at Tom Zim ninety six. Is that it? At Tom Zim, no ninety six. At Tom Zim. At Tom Zim. T O M M Z I M M. Let me know, and awesome. if you have questions about Jesus, please let me know. I would love to talk awesome. to you about that. Cool. Well, thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you for having and me. And we'll catch you all on the next one. Take care.